Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.50 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is Good Friday for those of you who are following Holy Week. Uh, it is, and in fact, the 10th of April, 2020. This is episode 231 of Bitcoin, and let's just start this one with this. Visa boosts crypto with string of collaborations, adds Bitcoin payments, app fold to Fast Track program. Nice, dude. This was written by Daily Hodel staff for the Daily Hodel yesterday, April the 9th. <clears throat> The crypto cashback app Fold is launching a new Visa card that allows users to earn Bitcoin rewards instead of conventional points or cash. The announcement highlights Visa's increasing integration with leading companies in the cryptocurrency space that are using traditional credit and debit cards as a bridge to reach new customers interested in acquiring, storing, or spending Bitcoin and other digital assets. Fold has joined Visa's FinTech Fast Track program, which will allow the San Francisco-based crypto startup to offer a co-branded Visa card. The new Fold card will enable consumers to earn Bitcoin back on every purchase made with the card. I'm very excited about this. Will Reeves, Fold CEO, says the card is a game changer as consumers will have the chance to accrue and hold Bitcoin, the leading cryptocurrency, quote, people are not interested in spending Bitcoin right now, but are interested in accumulating it. If people don't understand Bitcoin as money yet, they certainly will understand it as a better reward. Reeves argues that Fold customers will have a distinct advantage by racking up Bitcoin instead of airline miles, loyalty points, and other rewards programs. Quote, since Bitcoin has no expiration date, The rewards can be used to offset the cost of a consumer's next purchase, saved or withdrawn, giving consumers freedom and flexibility. Consumers can also spend from their Bitcoin rewards by purchasing fiat-denominated gift cards for retailers on the Fold app to use on their next purchase or allow the value to accumulate like they would in a savings account. Major companies and retail brands in the Fold network include... Amazon, Airbnb, Delta Airlines, Uber, Nike, Starbucks, Nintendo, eShop, LL Bean, Domino's, and Burger King. Payments giant Visa continues its string of collaborations in the crypto space with notable projects. In February, leading crypto exchange Coinbase launched its Visa-powered Coinbase card, allowing users to spend top cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ether, and Litecoin. Binance revealed its Visa debit card last month. So, Fold joins the fray. Good. I'm really happy about this, as you can imagine. Uh, Fold being one of my favorite companies in the space. Uh, this, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised that it came this fast. But then again, I, I kind of shouldn't be all that surprised. Fold has this weird tendency to... Uh, 
do a lot of business development like really quick. I'm talking real quick where, you know, other people might be like languishing for months and months and months on a single deal. You know, Fold has that, <clears throat> has that tendency like, like Lolly. Lolly and Fold between the two of them probably has, again, I will reiterate my, my wish that both of those companies would collaborate together to form a business development training program, much like the Xerox sales training program. If you don't know anything about the Xerox sales training program, it's like world famous. Uh, you take that thing, it, of course it trains you to sell Xerox products, but uh, you can sell anything. After, if you take the, the Xerox training program for sales, yeah, watch out, buddy. You're probably gonna be able to sell anything. So what I would really like is for Will Reeves and, and the guys over at, um, at Trilolly to come together and offer an online uh, <clears throat> business development training program. I think that would be awesome. God knows I would take it in a heartbeat. I really would, dude. Okay, Cointelegraph's William Suberg writing this one about whales four hours ago. Bitcoin whale numbers hit two years high as investors mirror 2016. Happening. There are more Bitcoin whales now than at any point in the last in the past two years, and that mimics a trend from its 2016 halving data shows. In its latest week on-chain report on April the 9th, monitoring resource Glassnode revealed that current numbers of major Bitcoin investors are extremely similar to early 2016, specifically. 30 days before Bitcoin's 2020 halving, the number of entities holding at least 1,000 BTC, it's about $7 million, is now just under 1,850. At the start of the second quarter of 2016, several months before the previous halving, the number of such entities was almost exactly the same. The almost uncanny resemblance between these two identical points in two Bitcoin halving cycles suggest that the whales know the market well. Glassnode summarized, quote, this trend implies that despite an uncertain market environment, whales remain confident that now is a good time to be accumulating BTC, suggesting that they believe there is further room for growth. Comments from known whales appear to confirm the belief in future upside. Earlier this week, Bitfinex-based JOE007 delivered criticism of one Bitcoin price model, which he argued was way too optimistic about the speed at which the cryptocurrency would hit $100,000 or more. At press time, BTC traded around $6,900, $300 lower year-to-date, having failed to hold support closer to the $7,500 in line with expectations. Meanwhile, it is not just whales who are accumulating. Last month, Classnode noted that wallets containing a balance of at least one BTC were seeing new highs, at the time, Cointelegraph cited in-house analyst Keith Waring, who further believes that major miners will use lower prices to consolidate their positions and accumulate more BTC prior to the halving scheduled for mid-May. So there be whales here. There always are. I'm I'm not a big whale fan. I I like it when they get harpooned, especially when they're on the sh well when they're on the short side. I like it when they get harpooned. <laughs> You know, can't I can't help it, uh, but, you know, what? well, whatever. Virgin Galactic chairman says Federal Reserve should give $500,000 to all Americans. Yeah, let me read that again. <laughs> you, you heard it right. Fed should give $500,000 to all Americans. Oh, my God. 
Chamath yeah, he's the, he, he, you know his name. I can't pronounce it. But he says that the Federal Reserve shouldn't pump billions of dollars into rich CEOs and boards that have horrible governance, end quote. <laughs> Liam Frost, writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime this morning, says, Chamath, <clears throat> and the guy's last name, the CEO of investment firm Social Capital and chairman of spaceflight company Virgin Galactic has argued that the United States government and the Federal Reserve should not bail out hedge funds and billionaires during the coronavirus crisis. Quote, on Main Street today, people are getting wiped out. Right now, rich CEOs are not. Boards that have horrible governance are not. People are. Uh, guy's last name told CNBC's Fast Money Halftime Report. Uh, <laughs> he noted that the Fed spending initiatives and its plans to support enterprises will likely have far-reaching consequences and authorities should just give those funds to the Americans instead. Quote, what we've done is disproportionately prop up poor performing CEOs and boards, and you have to wash these people out. I'm not disagreeing with what the Fed has to do. What I'm saying is it's creating a landmine and it's creating a bill that will have to come due, says Chamath. Quote, it would be better for the Fed to have given half a million dollars to every man, woman, and child in the United States. Okay. Earlier on the same day, the Fed announced its plans to spend $2.3 trillion, that's trillion with a T, on various programs to help support the economy during the coronavirus outbreak. The money will be directed towards businesses and governments, including the Fed's Main Street Business Lending Program and market interventions. As Decrypt reported recently, Chamath has also stated that we are currently witnessing Bitcoin's moment as the cryptocurrency could really emerge as a flight to safety in case the U.S. economy goes kaput. And with the United States national debt hitting $24 trillion, there are a lot more questions than answers. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're going to be awash with, with lots of cash. Not us, of course, because they're not going to give, you know, $500,000 to every man, woman, and child. But the whole being a wash in cash thing is kicking the can down the road. And there's only so much road. You know, the re uh, I, 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 I don't see this ending well at all. So what do I think about what Chamath has to say? Well, he kind of does reflect something that I had said about the 2008 bailout because all these people with mortgages still had to pay their mortgages. Those people that didn't default, those people that didn't, you know, um, stop paying their mortgage, they still had to pay their mortgage, even though the banks got all of the debt for those mortgages wiped out effectively. It's not exactly that way, but the effect is the same. They were like completely saved, but they still had the, the people that were holding the mortgages still had to pay. Okay, well, if it had been done in a, and I don't even know if this would have worked, by the way, I'm just, I'm just, you know, just making statements here. What would have happened if when the mortgages were paid for and the banks had basically extinguished all the debt on these mortgages, what would have happened if they had went ahead and extinguished the debt for the people holding the mortgages? Well, yeah. I mean, my, my position is if they were going to do that and they did, then they should have extinguished the actual debt. So, but the flip side of that is what, what would have happened on the other side? Well, all of a sudden, 
all of your all of the monthly income for all the banks basically kind of goes away, right? The majority, you know, I wouldn't say the majority, but a good freaking chunk of what have banks that are making their uh, their income is coming out of mortgage payments, right? Okay, so now all of that just stops. So it's we've. I think what's going on is we've worked ourselves into a hole that I I pretty sure the only way to get out of this hole is to flood it with water and float to the top, thereby destroying the hole. But I, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I think everybody, including people who claim to be, you know, high flying financial dudes, <clears throat> wait for the train wrecked. <clears throat> I think all of us are flying blind. I think even the people that are the, the most trained people in finance are like going, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know how to do this. I, I've got no ideas left. Okay. So let's just throw money at it and see if it, if it stops burning. <laughs> I don't know, man, but Samuel Haig is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning that Texas cloud mining firm shuts down after fake charity pitch. Yeah. Guys, if you're going to raise money, don't lie about doing shit for charity. It's probably not. It's, I mean, the karma alone is enough to make you want to run away, right? Texas State Securities Board has taken emergency actions against cloud mining firm Ultra BTC Mining for issuing unregistered securities. The emergency cease and desist order was jointly filed against Ultra Mining by the TSSB and the Alabama Securities Commission on April the 8th. The securities regulators accused Ultra Mining of uh, registration violations, fraud, failure to disclose key information relating to its operations, and misleading or deceptive statements. The regulators allege Ultra BTC Mining and its agent Laura Branch were running a recession special, and recession special is in quotes, to prey on economically vul vulnerable Texans and had refused to verify a claimed $100,000 donation to help UNICEF purchase medical equipment for coronavirus relief. The TSSB referred to the supposed donation as fraudulent. Ultra offers two-year contracts for rented hash power priced at $40 per 0.1 terahashes per second with a firm claiming that investors can reap 105% annual return in a media release, the TSSB said, quote, the company is promising eye-opening eye returns. According to the order, they are telling potential investors that a $10,000 investment in compute power will return nearly $10,500 per year. A $50,000 investment will return nearly $52,000 per year, end quote. God, geez, that's worse than the Ponzi's. Uh, despite the cloud mining firm, <clears throat> sorry, despite the cloud mining firm claiming to have raised $18 million from Texas residents, the TSSB asserts that Ultra has not registered its offering. The complaint takes aim at Ultra Mining for offering a 30% hash power bonus on $10,000 investments amid economic hard times and for touting the findings of a recent survey that predicts the price of Bitcoin will reach nearly $23,000 by 2021. Ultra has a partner program for YouTube content creators incentivized with free hash power and an affiliate program offering commissions up to 20% of deposits from referred investors. The cloud mining firm has 31 days to challenge the TSSB order if it wishes. Oh my God. The partner program for YouTube content creators is that one just sends the hackles up 
on 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 my back that i mean you're just asking you're you're asking for some of the most hardcore crappy people in the world to take part of this and just fleece people out of their cash while making it themselves is disgusting so hope uh, if if this is true about ultra then ultra needs to die i i wish it hadn't have been associated with texas but there you go it was Christina Combin is writing yesterday for Bitcoinist.com. She says that Bitcoin Cash should admit failure, Adamant Capital founder says. <laughs> the BCH having hasn't gone well for Bcash so far. Massive minor capitulation has seen it given up hash power to BTC. Adamant Capital founder Tour Demeester says it's time to admit defeat. I'm sorry, have you met Roger Ver? Yeah, that's probably not going to happen, dude, but whatever, Tur, I, I agree with you, but again, have you met Roger Ver, the narcissist? There are some interesting moves in the cryptocurrency mining space right now, with just over one month to go until the Bitcoin halving, and just half a day after the BCH halving, both BCH and BSV have lost hash power to the leading cryptocurrency. As tweeted out by Arthur Van Pelt of Dragon Industries, he shows that Bitcoin is currently claiming 93.8% of the hash power as the BCH block reward halved to 6.25 BCH per block. It commanded just 1.5% of the total hash power. And as the BSV halving comes up in two days, its current 2.7% of the hash power will likely drop even further. It's It's a predictable scenario. Bitcoin's Current price doesn't even meet the break-even price for many older mining rigs, such as the Antminer S9. However, it is still way above that of much of the mining equipment used today. As one of Van Pelt's followers pointed out, before the 80% drop, there had been a 200-plus increase to BCH hash. I guess that's percent. This can be explained as miners competing for the last blocks of BCH at the 12.5% reward or, I'm sorry, percent, 12.5 coin reward. They then immediately switched their focus to BTC to make bigger gains. Bitcoin has spoke to Alejandro de la Torre, VP of one of the largest cryptocurrency mining pools, Poolin, to get his opinion on events. He said, quote, Bcash miners share the same algorithm, thus same mining rigs as Bitcoin and BSV. The halving has seen a decrease in hash rate for BCH and an increase in Bitcoin hash rate and to a negligible degree also an increase in BSV, suggesting miners have switched to Bitcoin because it's more profitable. Talking to Twitter, Adamant Capital founder, Bitcoin proponent, investor, and analyst Tour Demeester painted a dull picture for the future of Bcash. He said that in his opinion, it was time to call it a day based on the fact that it barely had any users and has declined 96% versus BTC, among other troubles. Whether your thoughts on the subject or whatever your thoughts on the subject, be sure to check out the visual representation he provides. It might be the best thing that you see today. And he's got a tweet, uh, which is honestly... He's tweeting a, a a picture of the that highway thing that a guy like a like right after BCH came into being, somebody wrote like a, I don't know probably a JavaScript web page that had a graphic that showed a whole bunch of lanes of a highway and 
how they were, you know, BCH was just so much better. Anyway, so apparently Tour de Meester is tweeting something like, you know, tweeting a, a version of that that's gone out. And yeah, it's it's pretty damn funny. We're <clears throat> we're um we're continuing here. Quote, I read somewhere that the Bitcoin.com mining pool lost almost 90% of their miners, end quote. Bitcoin Bitcoinist also reported last week that the company had axed half of its workforce ahead of the halving. Adding to that, one of Tur- one of Dermeister's followers pointed out that there is almost no economic activity on BCH. Quote, basically one transaction per second. <laughs> Ooh, dude. De La Tour added, quote, what's most interesting in this case are the miners still mining Bcash. The question then is, why are they still mining BCH if it's not economically beneficial? This leads some people to believe that there's a group of miners who want to maintain the network up and running no matter the cost to them. Some people think that they are a centralized group in effect keeping BCH alive, which is worrisome in cryptocurrencies that are supposed to, at least in theory, be decentralized. Yeah, well, we've been screaming about this forever, but nobody ever listens to the maxis, so whatever. Demister is less speculative in his opinion on Bcash centralization. He said in his tweet that the altcoin has been completely centralized since 2019. So is it time for Bcash to throw in the towel? The next few weeks will certainly be interesting. Okay. Are they going to throw in the towel? No. No. If you expect him to throw in the towel, you'd be waiting for a while. I mean, the, the whole thing needs to be attacked completely and, and, and an ongoing attack that just completely destroys the entire chain and keeps it destroyed to the point that not even a voodoo curse can bring that son of a bitch back alive. Okay. So, but unless that happens, I don't see BCH going anywhere because again, have you met Roger Ver, the narcissist? Ah, Just saying. And in another story of people, things that just won't die, factum's Two employees press on despite lead investors called liquidate. Yay, this is Coindesk's Nathan D. Camillo. He's writing sometime this morning that after years of being unable to close a Series B, enterprise blockchain company Factum Inc. slashed its staff from 10 people to just two. The company isn't going into receivership, however, as its lead investor Fast Forward Innovations claimed last week, said Factum COO Jay Smith. Quote, they'll be putting out a correction. This has been a long-running argument between us and Fast Forward, end quote. Fast Forward did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Fast Forward has been pressuring Factum to put a resolution before Factum's board of directors to have the company go into receivership. Smith said he put the resolution forward knowing that the board would vote no on it. He claims Fast Forward jumped the gun in issuing a press release. Quote, there was a miscommunication and Fast Forward heard that we were going to put this proposal to the shareholders. Because they're a public company, anything that has a significant impact on the valuation, they have timelines to publish that. They printed out the press release and we didn't get a chance to see it. There wasn't any malicious intent on anybody's part, end quote. Aside from Smith, only CEO Paul Snow is employed by the company. The firm says it is now renegotiating the financial engineering of the Series B raise, proposing solutions such as having Fast Forward's note be converted into common stock once the raise reaches a high enough threshold. Smith said the amount of control Fast Forward had in factum 
was scaring off other investors. I smell a lawsuit coming up, y'all. Founded in 2014, Factum conducted one of the earliest token offerings, raising $1.1 million in 2015 by selling Factoid tokens. Users don't need Factoids, however, to operate the Factum protocol, which is separate from Factum Inc. and decentralized among 27 different authority node operators. The protocol is often used for recording data. Currently, Factum Inc. makes most of its money from contracting its services with the United States Department of Homeland Security. Oh, those poor assholes. And other entities. For DHS, Factum's technology secures data from Border Patrol cameras and sensors. Factum is also part of a project securing data from the National Power Grid for the United States Energy Department. God, oh, so bad. Despite these high-profile contracts, the company didn't have the cash flow to be able to survive the market downturn without cuts, Smith said. After the news of Factum's alleged receivership broke, DHS called a meeting with the blockchain company to ensure that its project would continue, according to Smith. Factum expects to receive three more contracts with DHS for around $600,000 each, Smith added. So, the long slow grind of a blockchain into dust. It's so slow. I mean, uh, Factum is, if you've been around the space, I mean, I got in in 2015 and Factum was one of the, oh God, one of the blockchain names on everybody's lip, on everybody's podcast. And then I honestly, it was really weird to see the word factum come up again in this space. Cause I was like, shit, I thought they were dead, but that just goes to show that the shittiest of the shit coins somehow or another continue to survive. It's like, it's like watching something on life support. It's just, it's sad and it really does need to go away, but that's going to do it for the first part of the morning roundup. All right, let's see what traditional markets are doing right now for vital statistics. We have cnbc.com forward slash markets. Major indices are saying that everything is up. Well, most stuff is up. S&P 500 is up uh, 1.5%. Dow Jones Industrial is up 1.25%. FTSE is up 2.9%. And the Nikkei is up 0.79%, while the Hang Seng is up 1.38%. I did not do NASDAQ because there's something wrong here. It's like NASDAQ is just froze. Uh, I think that's just the API. I'm sure NASDAQ is trading just fine. I just don't have the information on the website that I normally use to find the information on. Bonds are mixed. The German Bund is still negative, 0.33. The Japanese 10-year bond turned negative at minus 0.001. Everything else is eh, it's kind of where it was. Oil took another dump. It's changed, is down 7.5%. Uh, wow, that's, that's, oh, I know why. Apparently Mexico threw some, threw some shade on the possibility that it was going to go through an oil production cut. So that always rattles the market. Let's see what Bitcoin's doing because, yes, Bitcoin took a dump, okay? $6,808. It looks like our high is going to be at BitAsset at $6,878, while our low is going to be at CoinsBit 
weighing in at 6,796, 291,000 transactions were made in the last 24 hours, giving us right around 12,000 transactions being made per hour on average. 874,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours, with 36,500 BTC being sent per hour on average. 3 BTC is the average transaction value, and the median transaction value is 0.042, or right around 280 bucks. Block times are low, as you can imagine, because we're sucking up all the shit coins hash rate. 8 minutes and 53 seconds is what I'm reading here. We have 0.13 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 21.7 BTC being taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. We have gained 6.36% in hash rate in the last 24 hours. And uh, BitInfo Charts calculates this, or its calculation is getting this as 114 exahashes per second are grinding through the chain. Last time nobody did anything on on uh, Bitcoin because apparently nobody does any development on Bitcoin was, well, the last development was done sometime today. Ethereum at 153, Bcash at 229, BSV at 181, Litecoin at 41 and a quarter. Ethereum Classic is at $5.13. Doge lost and is at 0.0019 with 30,000 transactions being made in the last 24 hours. It walks all up and down Litecoin and that's about it. Now let's see what my node has to say about the hash rate. Ooh. My node is saying that the hash rate on the network is 118 exahashes per second. We have 8.75 uh, megabytes in the mempool, representing 3,765 unconfirmed transactions. Looks like over the last 10 blocks, all the miners are being pretty cool because all the blocks are full. Now for Lightning Network, we have bitcoin.clarkmoody.com. This is Clark Moody's Bitcoin, and under his Lightning stuff, we have... Almost 950 BTC in the network. Nice. So representing $6.5 million in liquidity. We have 6,674 nodes, and the total number of channels is 36,331. <clears throat> Tor capacity is half a Bitcoin away from being 400. The percentage of the Tor capacity is now representing at 42.2%. Number of Tor nodes is 1,955. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to the snooze you can use number two. It's former backed CEO liquidate stocks amid insider trading controversy. Former backed CEO and United States Senator Kelly Loeffler instructs investment managers to liquidate individual stocks in exchange for exchange traded funds. This is Alexander Behrens writing for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. And uh, let's see, this person says of all this mess is that former backed CEO Kelly Loeffler's tenure as United States Senator from Georgia is off to a rocky start. Yeah. Frickin', when you show your your corruption ass this early, it's, man, dude. Facing allegations of insider trading, Loeffler released a statement yesterday detailing her instructions to investment advisors to move financial assets held by her family out of individual stocks and into exchange-traded funds and mutual funds. Loeffler's statement reiterated the assertion that the senator 
and members of her family do not actively manage their investments and have at all times abided by relevant financial regulations, including the Stocks Act and Senate Ethics Rules. The statement also maintained that Senator Loeffler was not required to adjust their investments, instead doing so to remove the temptation to circulate lies and misinformation among the media and my political opponents. God, the self-importance here. Senator Loeffler came under scrutiny after Senate financial disclosures revealed she or members of her family had traded stocks worth roughly $1.4 million between February 20th and March 24th following a Senate briefing on the coronavirus outbreak on January the 24th. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution also questioned liquidation of $18.7 million of intercontinental exchange stock between February 26th and March 11th, obtained through stock options shortly beforehand. Senator Loeffler was formerly an executive at Intercontinental Exchange, the owners of the New York Stock Exchange, and her husband is the current CEO. Oh, God, there's no no possibility of corruption here. The Loeffler campaign said the sales were part of an existing compensation package and were aligned with similar sales in previous years, $24.5 million in 2018 and $15.9 million in 2019. I swear to God, if you have more than a million dollars in assets, you should not be allowed to be a United States anything. I, I'm just putting it out there. I mean, come on. I know that that's not going to be popular, but dude, I, I mean, it's like every single one of these people are so freaking wealthy, it's not even funny. I think the guy that is probably the, the least wealthy person is Rand Paul, I think. But I'm not exactly sure about that. Although it, it may be AOC. I don't know. I, I can't remember. But it doesn't matter because it these people just get rich as shit. They either come in being rich as shit or they get rich as shit while they're there. And then they certainly proceed to get even more rich when they leave. It's just ridiculous. But Loeffler was appointed to the Senate on January the 6th as a temporary replacement for retiring son- Senator Johnny Isakson just weeks before the initial coronavirus briefing. Before her appointment, Loeffler led backed as the CEO to a successful launch of Bitcoin futures regulated by the United States Commodities Future Trading Commission, backed as a subsidiary of Intercontinental Exchange. Loeffler faces a Senate race in November against Representative Doug Collins of Georgia's 9th Congressional District. It's unclear whether the allegations of insider trading will have an effect on the election. You bet it will. Alluding to her experience in business financing cryptocurrency, Loeffler's statement concluded, As an outsider, I came to get results, and I won't let politics get in the way of public service and keeping our state and our country strong. Yeah, put a tie on the suit speak, baby, because I'm just done with your dumb ass. Binance users can now buy crypto using debit cards in five new fiat currencies. <laughs> it's like 31 flavors over here, pal. Marie Juliet writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning says cryptocurrency exchange Binance is enabling citizens in five further countries to buy cryptocurrency using Visa debit and credit cards with their national fiat currencies. The new service announced April the 10th will extend card support for the Colombian peso, the South Korean won, the Kenyan shilling, the Kazakhstani tenge, and Peru's Nuevo Sol. At launch, a total of five cryptocurrencies are available for purchase. Bitcoin, Ether, Binance Coin, XRP, Binance USD, and Tether. 
Binance's announcement, evidently a positive step for its international user base, follows shortly after the exchange was yesterday prompted to respond to allegations by one of its users that the exchange had illegitimately blocked access to his account containing close to $1 million U.S. in crypto. The accusation, framed as alleged embezzlement on behalf of the exchange, was rebuffed by Binance. It clarified that South Korean authorities had called for the user's assets to be frozen as they had allegedly received 4,000 Ether through a listing fee scam. The exchange later shared evidence with Cointelegraph that appears to contradict the user's claims. Binance has also this month announced its acquisition of stalwart crypto data site CoinMarketCap. The exchange's CEO, Xingpeng Zhao, stressed that the site will continue to maintain its independence under terms of the deal. So, yeah, I guess they... I had said something about this on Wednesday uh, about the allegations and saying that the dude, the user in question here that got his uh, shit stolen, said that his contact with South Korean police uh, revealed no such request and that he was not a person of interest to the South Korean police. Apparently, uh, CZ has been able to get information that contradicts that. Anyway, so more credit card uh, debit card ability to buy the bitcoin let's see what bsv is doing <laughs> this was almost today's trade wreck but i got a better one for you uh bsv roadmap is only available to a select few who would have guessed that Christina Combins, writing this one today for Bitcoinist.com, says, just in case you wanted to catch a glimpse of bsv's roadmap you'll need to be part of the inner circle Head over to the page where it resides and you're met with a message saying protected and prompting you to enter a password. The decision from the BSV camp to a to password protect their roadmap seems like a curious one. It was pointed out by Dragon Industries founder Arthur Van Pelt. Uh, there is no way to sign up or create a password, so it seems as if the roadmap is only available to a select few. That is, the centralized inner circle of Satoshi's true vision for Bitcoin or however that goes. Van Pelt's followers pointed out that the roadmap was most likely off limits since B BCV was, quote, totally lost on the road to nowhere. I don't know, it sounds like a fumbling sentence. Don't blame me, guys. While others suggested to try 12345, password must be as secure as their network. <laughs> <laughs> With its first halving completed today, if BSV Network follows the same path as BCH in the last two days, its hash rate will drop off a cliff as its miners capitulate to Bitcoin to make greater gains. As pointed out by Benjamin Claire Major, CMBI manager at CoinMetrics, BCH hash rate is falling through the roof. It is down 73% in two days and BSV will likely follow suit. Part of the problem for both shitcoins is that both chains use the same SHA-256 as Bitcoin. This means that miners can easily switch between coins without changing their hardware. Since Bitcoin's halving is still one month away, miners will go where the profitability is. This doesn't only have a negative effect on price, but makes both networks vulnerable to security risks. In fact, Bitcoin has reported earlier today that the cost of a 51% attack on BCH was just over $9,000 per hour, having fallen from $22,000 before its halving. The cost to stage an attack on the BSV network is currently $9,736. Claire Mayer, 
ends up by saying, quote, this could lead to a massive market fear and capitulation for Bcash and BSV, potentially leading to their short-term and longer-term demise. God, one can only hope. Clearly, none of this is going to end up in the BSV roadmap. At least we doubt it will, but we won't know since we can't access it. <laughs> Jeez, good Lord. <laughs> so they password protected their roadmap. Man, dude, that's just embarrassing. I mean, well, it's not really embarrassing, right? It's embarrassing. Well, it's 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 embarrassing for people, you know, that like Bitcoin, that understand that all the rest of this stuff is shit coins, and yet we continuously have to deal with people who swear up and down that things like Bcash and BSV are the next Bitcoin. And then we see, read shit like this, where you know, how can you understand it to be anything other than just a complete and total? shit show honestly really so more about this this whole bcash attack uh you can now 51% attack bcash for the cost of a single bitcoin colin harper is writing this one for decrypt.co following bitcoin cash's first having it now costs roughly $7300 or 1 btc to attack the bcash network for 1 hour this was written actually yesterday by colin um a 2013 Toyota Camry, 8,000 pounds of pasta, a suite room for a 21-day cruise, and 1,000 N95 masks. All of these things currently cost more than an hour-long 51% attack of Bcash's network. <laughs> the bigger block Bitcoin clone underwent its first halving event yesterday. Bitcash's or Bcash's inflation rate dropped from uh, 6.25 to 3.125. That, I'm pretty sure that's not right. It should be 12.5 to 6.25, but whatever. And that's not the only thing that's dropping. Continuing a downward trend that preceded the halving, Bcash's hash rate continues to decline. On February the 14th, 2020, Bcash's network produced uh, five exahashes, the most the network produced since November of 2019, when it saw 7.8 exahashes just before the mass market sell-off that drove crypto prices to the pre-2017 bull run territory. Now, Bcash's hash rate is in the 3.5 exahash range, a 30% decline from its mid-February numbers and a 57% decline since November of 2018. As a result, the world's fifth most valuable currency oh God, by market cap now costs less than $7,500 an hour to attack uh, by a 50 via a 51% attack. What that means is if a malicious actor wanted to control 51% of Bcash's hash rate for an hour, it would cost them approximately $7,329 or the cost of a single Bitcoin at today's prices. By comparison, the Bitcoin network currently worth $133 billion costs $500,000 an hour to attack and is posting approximately 110 exahashes daily. Bcash's ensuing mining death spiral was far from an unforeseen event. Bitcoin analysts have long cautioned that Bcash tinkered with its monetary policy way too much to maintain, maintain a stable mining economy. As data journalism platform Longhash previously reported, Bcash launched with a difficulty adjustment mechanism that accelerated its block reward schedule, in other words, when Bcash launched in August of 2017, block times were so sporadic and unpredictable that 
Bcash's monetary base outgrew B Bitcoin's own. This resulted in miners leaving Bitcoin to mine Bcash because it was momentarily more profitable. And this is why B Bcash's price had a run on Bitcoin in November of 2017. Yeah, there were some other things, uh, nefarious things going on with Coinbase around that, but let's just leave that as it is. The number of Bcash miners expanded during this time. Now we're seeing the exact opposite occur. Bcash's miner base is contracting as the recent halving has made it unprofitable to mine. Bcash later backpedaled on the new difficulty adjustment, which decreased block rewards and by extension cut into miners' revenues. <laughs> the result, in the hours following Bcash's first halving, the network only mined a single block. Even Roger Ver, one of Bitcoin Cash's primary proponents and in some ways its founder, is winding down his Bitcoin.com mining pool hash rate, Bitcoin.com's personal hash rate, is down more than 90% since the halving. Good God. So yeah, the, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So now, BitMEX CEO says, all in motherfuckers on Bitcoin and gold. This is Bitcoinist.com's Christina Combin writing sometime today. BitMEX founder Arthur Hayes put out a thought-provoking piece on the company blog today. He talks about the effect of the COVID-19 crisis on the global economy and states that nothing will ever be the same again. Quote, the USD fiction is over. It's time for a new mental crutch. End quote. He's opting for Bitcoin and gold. What will your fiction be? <laughs> as charismatic as ever, this piece by Mr. Hayes is definitely worth the read. It's sort of a summary of the Bitcoin standard with more colorful language thrown in. It also contains some grim predictions of the worst post-COVID-19. Hint, it's not going to be pretty. Hayes predicts a total collapse of the USD. He says that the United States is the only country that can depreciate its currency to the degree necessary to continue to generate economic activity at a level which honors the credit in the system and promises to their plebs. He then talks about the well-known problem of printing too much money, rampant inflation. Quote, Remember that all raw commodities are priced in dollars. If you print too much money to monetize your government's debt, your currency craters and inflation runs rampant. At that point, the Jacobins enter the streets and, well, you better not be munching on a cake. Hayes says that this is how he sees the world over the next 10 years, a pretty dismal picture. Quote, I have no idea on timing, but the strong USD will break the back of the global economy and force a reset. The question is, what will the new system look like? <laughs> All the global kind, uh, chaos and financial meltdown will eventually swing the pendulum to Bitcoin. He says that the setup for Bitcoin, the hardest form of digital money, cannot be better. However, he doesn't know exactly when the wider public will move towards it. In fact, he doesn't discard the fact that BTC could test $3,000 again in the near future. Quote, could the price retest 3, 3K? Absolutely. As the SPX rolls over in test 2000, expect all asset classes to puke again. As violent as the quarter one collapse in asset values was, we have almost 100 years of imbalances to unwind the ancient regime. Quote, oh, I'm sorry, end quote. However, despite that sobering scenario, Hayes still stands behind his previous call of an end of year price uh, in Bitcoin of 20K. So that's something to be hopeful for, even if the world around you will crumble beneath your feet. 
Hayes ends by stating that there are only two things to own during the transition to the new monetary system after the total collapse of fiat. They are Bitcoin and gold. Quote, I will take my inflation-adjusted pocket rockets, gold and Bitcoin, and call your Bretton Woods 7-2 off suit. All in, motherfuckers. Well said. <laughs> so what do you think of Arthur Hayes here, man? I, you, I, I don't know, man. BitMEX has always scared me with the whole 100x leverage thing. But I got to admit, man, Arthur Hayes is actually one of my favorite people to watch. I, it's like it's sort of like watching John McAfee, but without the drug use and alcoholism and, you know, being a murderer and everything. But Arthur is one of the most colorful people in the space. And I really appreciate him being around. Uh, so gold and Bitcoin, you know, honestly, I don't again, and I've always said it, I don't have a problem with gold. But if I wanted to collapse it down into something that you can think of, uh, Bitcoin is your money for every for everywhere that you can't get gold to, which is most of the world. Think of, honestly, think of, are you going to mail somebody a gold coin? Of course not. The only thing that you're going to be able to use gold for is handing somebody that you know the gold to be able to get the good that you want to receive. That means that you have to travel with said gold and make the physical change or uh, uh, transaction, right? Whereas with Bitcoin, I can do that anywhere in the world. So now in my town, like let's say like the town that I live in, I would have no problem using gold if people are going to take it, you know, and that's, an, that's the whole other question is, will they take it? But the rest of the world, someplace that I can't get to, if I want to buy something that's in an, in another state and I can't drive to that state to go get it, I'm going to be using Bitcoin because I'm not sending gold. That would be stupid. I mean, you don't even send fiat cash in the mail, right? Ah, oh, just please. All right. That's going to do it for the morning roundup in total. Daily train wrecked brought to you by at crypto token underscore board or Borco Tesic. He says in reply, a tweet, Twitter reply to Matt O'Dell, for one, stop using the word shitcoin. Decred is every bit as good as your precious BTC. Monero, Dash, BCH are way better. Once you build something meaningful in your life, then you can claim high moral ground. But just regurgitating same old doesn't really make you stronger. Yeah, let's just leave that smoldering pile in the corner uh, right there because ugh, I don't want to get into this this whole thread. But the last part of this, I mean, I, I, okay, it was this all started out by a Matt O'Dell tweet. I'm not going to read the tweet. He's just saying something about, uh, I guess there's some some accusations going on that they're taking money over at TFTC, and he's, you know, w those of us that know better know that that's, you know, I would hope that they're actually taking money for, you know, at BTC being to be able to, you know, completely support them themselves. 
But even if, you know, even if that were to come to pass, they would not be doing it from companies that are not bit good Bitcoin companies. All right. So that's just, that's just never going to happen because they understand like I do that reputation in this space, not only is it everything, but it's the most flammable thing on the face of the planet. So apparently this guy just comes at Matt and it goes on and on and on, but he gets to this one. And this is the one where narcissism never plays well for you. Uh, Matt replies to to this whole, once you build something meaningful in your life thing. And Matt just replies with some smiley faces and Borco decides to uh, unleash his fly and show us the rest of his ass by saying, Listen, I study high finance topics that you can't even comprehend. Look up equity multiples, PV Go, and the earnings yield concepts. Why am I buying a coin that is 25x more expensive if it can't scale and has limited features? So it is used for wash trading and a big deal. And I'm just like, you know, when you, when I say stuff like, listen, buddy, I'm smarter than you and you can't do X on Twitter, man, don't, don't show your ass that way because nobody can verify who this dude is, where this guy is, what he actually knows how to do. It's, it's stupid. Don't do that. Okay. Don't, don't, don't buy in to the panic of understanding that, that you got caught with your britches down trying to chase clout. All right. So, uh, Borco, Fuck off and die. Now, getting into uh, the uh, daily joke. Okay, let's see what uh, Dad Says Jokes has to say. Oh, oh, oh be, be aware. Watch out for this one, guys. If you're really sensitive and you have a tendency to, like, you know, wet your diapers a lot over stuff like racism and political issues, yeah, you might want to cover your ears for this one because my friend Ty came in first in the Beijing Marathon, but he wasn't given the gold medal. The Chinese authorities refused to recognize Taiwan. Of course, Taiwan is spelled T-Y space W-O-N. That's probably where the racism comes in. So if, like I said, if you're, if you, if you wet your diapers really easily, just forget that I said anything, but honestly, the fact that China is so brutal and apparently scares so many people in, in political circles that uh, people out of the UN will refuse to recognize Taiwan as their own country and call it China is kind of sickening. And so all those people need to be called out pretty much all the time. Uh, chicken report. Chickens are doing well. Chickens are gaining weight. Chickens are lazy sons of bitches sometimes. I Man, put them in their chicken tractor today, and what did they do? Like, I mean, this is this morning. We like they were in their coop all night long under a nice heat lamp because we had a kind of cold, a cold night. They all night long. We put them in their chicken tractor early this morning. What do they do? They go to sleep. They they literally ball themselves up next to each other and have a nice little nap. And I'm like, God, you some worthless bastard birds, man. So anyway, uh, other than the fact that they're being worthless and lazy right now, uh, the chickens are doing really, really well. They're eating a lot of food. They're eating a lot of grass. In fact, there's been a couple of times that I've put their uh, grain-based ba- food out for them, and they kind of like turn their nose up at it for like a couple of hours and go eat dandelion leaves, ryegrass, uh, a whole bunch of different kinds of mustards, uh, mustard-based weeds or brassicas that are growing in my yard. 
They love those things. I have never seen anything go after brassicas like chickens do, man, but they absolutely love it, which means if you've got a vegetable garden and you're growing shit like cabbages, broccoli, uh, any kind of mustards, any kind of brassicas, they will probably shred that shit first. So just saying. Anyway, again, it's Good Friday. This coming Sunday is Easter Sunday. Uh, so if you haven't gone shopping with for your children to get them Easter baskets, if you do that sort of thing, yep, you're running out of time. Running out of time. Uh, other than that, man, without without uh, any more stupidity or any of the weirdness going on in the Bitcoin space, I'll just go ahead and see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.